Okay, so this is part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for February 3rd, 2008. And the next part of this, I'm going to read to you an email I got right prior to actually going in. Because the, the one um, lady, Christian lady on my email list, had told me about this guy before. That was why I got on his newsletter list to kind of see what he was up to. That's how I knew he was coming to my hometown. And I told her I was going that night, and she emailed me back this this particular email, just to kind of give me a heads up. And the email uh, says, I was just praying this evening when the Lord brought this to my memory. One thing I don't think I've shared with you, but felt now is the time. She said, watch for angel sightings during this, this Herzog thing that I was going into. These meetings are, supposedly, they're full of them. You'll see lots of people there that will be seeing angels all over the place. Many people will take their digital camera and point and snap where the angel is to be standing. However, you will not see an angel when you look at the display screen. Just a dot of light, small for the smaller angels and large for the larger angels. Often, there will be several of these dots in a single picture. No joke. These people believe that these dots are actually angels. Usually, there will, be, there will show up as either seven or eight sided shapes. The most interesting part, and what seems to hook these people, notice that hook these people, is that the light cannot be traced to any light source, either a lamp, floodlight, or even sunlight. Now again, notice she, she used a good phrase there, to hook these people. That's what happens. See, they go and they see some lying sign and wonder, and I'm not saying God, the Lord Jesus Christ, cannot produce miracles. But why would he do so in such, a, in such a setting where there's such apostasy and such blasphemy going on? But that's why they go. If the truth really be known, they're going there to get some endorphin rush from seeing some supposed miracle. And that's why they're there most of the time. A lion sign to wonders. That's what's going to see people. Now, when they say that they take these pictures... And they don't see angels in the pictures, they see these little dots. The first thing I thought of, and I emailed her back a picture of these, are called orbs. Now, if you watch any of these, uh, and I don't advise you going and watching a ton of these shows, but if you've ever seen any of these shows on where they go into these haunted houses, these teams that go in, and they supposedly take all these readings, electrical readings, and they, they do all this photographic evidence. And many, many times, one of the main things they document are these things called orbs, where they're actually seeing these orbs that actually move through. They, they can catch them on, um, on video, or they catch them on still frame pictures. And these orbs are real. And it kind of looks like more of an opaque bubble. Okay? Now, I believe totally these things are absolutely demonic. Okay? Because of where they're always seen. But you know, and, and my, my parents not too long ago had this party. And they had this party, and it was a, um, it was like a New Year's Eve party. I, and obviously, I was invited, but I wasn't there. And they, um, developed these pictures of the party afterward. Now, they had hired this guy that was like, I don't know, he's like the bass player for like Aaron Neville. Aaron Neville's a real, a real, uh, he's like a, kind of a Christian, not not Christian, he's like a secular jazz rock kind of guy, but he's kind of based on a New Orleans, I think. I don't know a whole lot about him. But he's, he's real kind of smooth in his music and stuff. And this was his bass player. He lives here locally. And they had hired him for this party. He was like the DJ. He also did live music and this type of stuff. And when she got these pictures developed, I could not believe it. Because I had seen some of these shows where they had documented these orbs and things like that. And, and, and up on the internet, if you want to know what an orb looks like, just go up there into like Yahoo or whatever and type in orb. And the, if it has a drop-down bar, it'll say, what do you want? Do you want definition? Do you want to search for websites that have it. Do you want pictures? Just do the pictures. And it'll show you a whole bunch of orbs. You know, they see tons of them when they go to some, to, to uh, cemeteries. They a lot of times see them all over around the graves and things like that. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty good indication. It's not a good thing. And they see them all, all the time in these supposedly haunted houses and those types of things. It's one of the main things they look for. And during this party, 
I could not believe how many orbs that were in these pictures. And I'm talking, I don't know how many, at least 30 pictures had them in it. And many times there were multiple orbs in this picture. And you had, and most of the orbs were on the dance floor where this DJ guy was performing. Now, up on his website, I went up to his website, and he's got this guitar that is in front of him, and it's all special effects, but this guitar is, is, is standing upright, and out of the top of the guitar, it's like he's conjuring, it looks like a, um, you know, like a genie bottle? That's what the guitar kind of looks like, and out of the top of it, you see this, this kind of mist, and it's like a genie's coming out of the bottle. Now, that's witchcraft, okay? And in these pictures... There were more orbs around the dance floor where he was at and on him. In the pictures, there were orbs on his back, on his front, all around him. I didn't think it was any coincidence. So, this is demonic, okay? This is not holy or whatever or angelic. You know, if God really did show up at these meetings, don't you think the first thing he would convict them of was their sin, their apostasy, their heresy, their blasphemy? their error, why would he show up and, and supposedly bless them? Oh, yes, you're doing good, my children. Yes, I've sent all these angels to bless you, and I'm going to make all these nice miracles because I want you to stay in your apostasy, and I want you just to, to keep going down this road to hell. I, and I want you to take as many other people with you as possible. Why would God do that? God's not there. So, when you see these people where this is happening with these orbs and stuff like that, and, and essentially this is what she's describing to me here in this, in this letter, that they're taking these pictures and all they're seeing are these, these seven or eight sided shapes. Now, I didn't really look at the orbs in the pictures where my parents were to see if they were seven or eight sided. But, essentially I believe we're dealing with the same thing. It doesn't surprise me one bit. So anyway, this is a little side note that I thought was very interesting. And then we go further and she says, I have one of these pictures that I happen to take at my brother's rehearsal barbecue. Her brother was getting married. I was, it was quite odd. I was using a 35mm camera to capture the usual goings-on. My mom and dad were thrilled to tears to see the seven-sided figure dot hanging out over the crowd. So she picked up one of these things at a rehearsal dinner for a wedding. Okay? So her mom and dad, who are from that Pentecostal background, they were thrilled when they saw this. They oh, God is here. God is here. But she says, what struck me queer about this is that the beer was flowing, and it was not at all a godly time. Why would, yeah, why would God supposedly manifest? Well, it's the same reason you, you see it at those... Like my parents' party was a great example. So more so. I can't tell you how many orbs I saw. I could have, I could have taken these pictures, and I probably could have had a, a, uh, an occult, uh, one of these teams. There's one locally in my area. They come around and they do all this research into the paranormal. You know, what a, what a waste of time. These people are all ungodly. They're all in the, in the secular mode. None of them are Christians, and they want to go and they want to find out. You know what those people always do? Supposedly they communicate with these spirits and they do this and they do that. None, none of it glorifies God. What are they proving? Proving the existence of devils? Who are they glorifying? The devil? These people, these, these um, spirits lie to them if they have any supposed communication, which is questionable at best. The, the communication is like, oh yes, I'm dear Uncle Floyd, I was, I was murdered here unjustly, you know, 80 years ago or 120 years ago, and, and, and now I'm wandering the earth in this condition because I wasn't, my death was never avenged, or, you know, some lie like that. The Bible says, is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. You either go to heaven or you either go to hell. You don't linger on the earth. And just do whatever you want to do until your death gets avenged or until this wrong gets righted. It doesn't happen that way. But if you believe that, you might as well throw your Bible out. And that's the whole goal of these shows that, that promote this. Where they have these ghost hunters and all this other stuff. So you've got people involved in high level occult going to haunted houses and communicating with these lying, deceitful 
spirits. These are familiar spirits that may have been very, very familiar with the person that they're supposedly talking about. But it's not that person. So if we go further, she says, Prepare for the cloud or blanket of glory that will descend just about on the heads of all the attendants in the meeting. Now she's warning me about this. She says, I'm telling you, about it, it about messed with my head. You know, I had just learned the truth through your teachings a few short months before attending a Herzog meeting. And now see, she, went, she was brought up in this, she went with her parents, she had just started to learn the truth about this stuff. Okay? And then it says, it's almost, more, it's almost more strong than any presence I have ever felt growing up in the Assemblies of God Church. She's warning me that this line, sign, and wonder deception that's coming when I go to one of these meetings is going to be very, very, very strong. Why do you think people are attracted to this? This isn't something I would ever tell a new Christian just to go do. I'm not. I'm, I would not tell you to do this. It's like, don't try this at home. I think we need to get to a point, though, where as mature Christians, we can go to these things, but just, you have to know Satan's devices, lest you be ignorant of them. So then she said, this glory thing is stronger than any presence she ever felt growing up in Assembly of God. She says, the air will be thick with it, so you might just want to bring your gas mask. Just kidding. And then she says, it's a bit of a wow or a woe moment. Like, woe, like, woe unto them. And then she says, the third meeting for this guy is usually where most of the, quote, miracles happen. So you're in for a treat. Now, we were at the third meeting. This was Monday night. He'd already had a meeting Sunday morning, Sunday night. With so now it's when he's really supposed to get cranked up in this third meeting. And then she prayed for me that God would place a hedge of protection around us. Uh, both Doug and I and these types of things. So I, I praise the Lord for her prayers. And so we went there. And we, we, when we went in, Doug and I met out in the parking lot. So we went in there. And uh, it's pretty relatively new church. Not a huge church. I mean, it wasn't gigantic or anything. I guess you'd call it maybe an average-sized church. And we got in there, and we went into the foyer, and, and people were kind of mulling around and stuff. There was really no anybody to greet you or anything like that, which was fine with me. I didn't really want to dialogue. There, w there was no friendliness, put it that way, which was really fine with me. Uh, it was fine, you know. It was no big... And then we went into the... the uh, the book room where they were selling his books and stuff and just kind of looked around. He had some videos and DVDs. He had that Glory Zone book or whatever. And so then we went in and I said, why don't we, why don't we find a seat? Because we were there a little bit early because I wanted to make sure we got a seat. I didn't know how many people were going to show up for this thing. I didn't want to, you know, get in there at the last minute and not get a seat or have to sit like right up front and this guy tries to lay hands on me or something. So we wanted to kind of get a kind of be where we wanted to be, so we went in there, and the weird, it was the weirdest uh, church, because you walk into this place, and the, the, the seats are all facing one another, okay, so in other words, you walk in the back, and instead of the seats facing toward the front of the church, they're facing toward the middle of the aisle, on both sides. One side's facing toward the middle aisle, the other side's facing toward the middle aisle, so when you sit down, you're looking at the people that are in the church right across from me. It's really kind of uncomfortable. It's like, you know, and, and I'm telling you, I had some people throw me some nasty looks. Nasty, if like looks could kill. Oh, it must have been the joy of the Lord. Well, I'm like, man. And, and so we, we go in there, we sit down kind of toward the back, toward the last row. I, I wish we would have sat, this is something if anybody goes and does this, sit with your back against the wall. Kind of like the mafia people do when they go into a restaurant, you know? Yeah, that way nobody can shoot you in the back. No, just kidding, but that's why they do it. But seriously, the reason that we should have sat with our back against the wall is because people, and I am convinced these people, knew, I don't know exactly how, but I'm convinced there were some people that knew that maybe we weren't like them. And... It was like more than one, more than one person, or more than one people were behind us at different times during this service, and they were behind us, and I didn't like that. And I was actually praying 
while we were there, but we were, I was also praying in regard to these people behind us. Doug actually got touched by one of these ladies, and it was almost like an electric type of feeling that went through him. So, he got, you know, healed, and, oh no, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> no, but, um, it wasn't a good feeling, in other words, it wasn't, you know, like, but, so we go in there, and, and they, we, we got, we went into the foyer, and we, we got all sat down, and then I, I'm looking at their little, uh, thing, and it has, you know, 2008 Glory, Glory Exchange, from countdown to glory. And then on the back it's called the pastor's corner. And this is the pastor of this church. And he says, he starts out, Glory, 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 glory. What a word. Don't you just feel like shouting it. I've been shouting it, speaking it, and praying it for more and for more of it. What is it, you ask? The glory is when enough of God shows up that the spiritual glory realm collides into our natural sense realm. Oh, wow. That sounds really guru-ish. And spiritual, doesn't it? And then it says, Our hunger and thirst for God creates friction between the two realms, and the pull from the Spirit within causes the things of heaven to manifest on our earth. What New Age drivel? Please show me this in the Bible where you're deriving this from. And then it says, The glory realm is drawn into the natural realm as His ministers of faith open the door from one realm to another. So see, it's always dependent upon the people there. It's always dependent upon the modern day charismatics to open these doors, these portals, if you will, so that God can actually come down. So see, God is totally dependent on us. See, it's all about pride. Look what we did. Look what we do. We, we sing out to God. We work ourselves up into a fervor. We're so spiritual. We're the reason God is here. We actually created these miracles. We let God in so he can, you know, it's it's insane. And then he goes on, the realm of heaven breaks through because men and women of faith have learned how to go into heaven's realm and take possession of the things belonging to the children of God. Oh, yes, we go in there, we we burst into the heavenlies and we take possession of anything that we so choose. Give me a break. Then it goes on. Um, when Jesus and his disciples taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, end of quote, he was also giving the church a powerful key of knowledge in that his true believers, remember, true believers, these are the Pentecostals, the Charismatics, his true believers would come to understand their authority and take back what God gave them before the fall. And that, and that nothing, and that is nothing less than the whole earth and everything in it. Well, that is one of the best explanations of dominionism I've ever heard. It's Joel's army, the manifest sons of God, the hyper Pentecostal movement. They believe that they are going to usher in the kingdom of God because they're so holy. They've opened up all these portals. Everything's so great that God's just going to come back and and that He's going to restore it just the way it was before the fall. Well, you know when it's going to be restored that way? When Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation. And he's going to rule with a rod of iron for a thousand years during the millennium. It's not going to happen before that. What's going to happen before that is the strong delusion. And the Antichrist is going to have seven years here on this earth. But he believes that we should be claiming and expecting nothing less than the whole earth and everything in it. Even though the Bible doesn't indicate that at all until after the millennium starts. And the only one that's going to do that is Jesus Christ. It's not going to be some man-made effort. So, again, that's the essence of dominionism. So, so I don't have to, he doesn't have to come out and say, I'm a dominionist. I know he's a dominionist. By what he's writing in his newsletter. This little bulletin we got when we walked in. And then he says, the countdown to glory begins this morning. Now this was obviously given out the first Sunday morning when this Herzog meeting started. He says, to continue to enforce the victory of Calvary, we need more glory. Oh, is that the case? And then all the promises contained in the glory. All they just talk about is glory. And they're glorying in their shame, as I said before. Pretty ironic. And then he says, We want to thank God for bringing David here, this is David Herzog, here this weekend to teach, and, to teach and impart to us a more excellent way to flow in the glory realm. Oh boy. 
Bring your surfboards. And then it says, thank God for people like David Herzog, who really believe and have experience in walking and living in a higher realm of glory. Give me a break. We're going to talk about that in a second. And then he says, may the Lord use him to impart to us what is lacking. Well, he'll impart you some more devils that he'll bring along. Sure. Yeah, you'll, you'll go out of there more demon-possessed than you were when you came in the door. Sure. Or more delusionally deceived, at bare minimum. And then it says, May the Lord reproduce David in all of us this weekend. Did you, did you just hear that last part? May the Lord reproduce David in us? David Herzog. In all of us this weekend. And then he goes, Glory, 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 glory! Exclamation points. Wouldn't it be a biblical thing to say? Wouldn't it be better for the Lord to reproduce himself in us? The Lord Jesus Christ would be reproduced in us instead of David Herzog? Oh, but see, they're following a man. They're trusting in a man. But it feels so right. Why? Because your heart's deceived you? Because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked? Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, 26. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12 and Proverbs 16, 25. That's what they're trusting in their own heart. The way which seemeth right unto a man. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. But the Lord weigheth the Spirit. See, all these people, they're clean in their own eyes. Oh, look at how spiritual I am. Look how wonderful I am. I'm flowing in a realm of glory that you just can't understand. It just feels so right. Their heart is deceiving them. And it is deceitful above all things. Why? Because they're not comparing this experience with what the Bible clearly mandates. So, as we get there, we, we sit down, and like I said, if I could have done things different, I would have sat with my back against the wall. But we sat, I think, two rows off from the back of the wall. And we get there, and there's this Christian rock band, they're rehearsing. And they, I mean, it is loud! I couldn't believe how loud. It was so loud that we could stand up and pray, and I could pray loud, and nobody would hear me. And I was praying loud. And Doug was praying, and we were, we were there, you know, praying, and this Christian rock band's going, and they got the drums, and they got the guitars, and, and they got the women up there swaying to the beat, and, and many women there were dressed inappropriately, and, and it looked like they were going to a club as well, some type of nightclub. And... The, the first thing you notice is the demonic oppression. I didn't notice this wonderful feeling. I noticed a, and Doug particularly, a demonic oppression type of feeling. If there was a blanket over the place, it wasn't a glory blanket. It was a demonic blanket of oppression, which was all the more reason to start praying. And again, all the chairs were facing one another, so you're facing these people, which is really uncomfortable personally, I hated the way it was set up. But that way, the pastor could walk up and down, you know, and whatever. I guess he had more free reign that way. And then, you know, the nasty looks that came at various and sundry times during this. And I'm talking if looks could kill nasty looks. And I mean, I would like, I'd like look up and, and, and there's somebody like looking at me, like trying to burn, like if their eyes could burn a hole through my head, it would have happened. And I'd make eye contact, and then I'd look down, I'd look up, and they're still doing it. <laughs> I had this happen way more than once during this time. It didn't intimidate me, but I'm just saying this this was the uh, what was going on there. So they're, they're doing their praise and worship, and then they had all these little kids there that was really sad because they were up there dancing and, and up there and, and thinking they're doing God's service and thinking they're being so wonderful in this, and... and um, uh, quite a bit of them. And then the women. It was the little kids and the women. And, and they were up there all dancing. And then the, the, the rock band got done. And then they came back. You know, and then started for the services. And if you've ever been to a hyper-Pentecostal service, you know that that portion of it is going to take a long time. It was like a good hour and a half, at least. Hour and a half of just this repetitive supposedly Christian rock music, so loud you couldn't hear yourself think. I mean, it really was loud. And we were surrounded primarily by women, because I hate to say this, and, and, and but 
most of the time, the ones that really get radical in the Pentecostal movement are the women. The women are more emotional, okay, in that regard. And the men, most of the men, and this is an indictment not just against women, but it's an indictment against men too. Most of the men are just, you know, more lukewarm. But the women tend to really hook into the emotional element, I think, more than the men. And it's evidenced by the sheer numbers of them you see there. Now again, I'm not being chauvinistic, I'm just being factual. And they tend to be the ones also that end up the ones that pray in tongues more. They're the ones that supposedly hear from God more. They're the ones that supposedly get prophetic words of knowledge more. And then somebody might say, yeah, but what about Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and all these other guys? Well, these are guys or men at the head of particular ministries. I'm talking about, for the most part, in the Pentecostal movement, it's the women that really rule. Okay? Now, again, just look at this guy's website. He's got God's Wonder Woman. He's advertising all these women and, and his wife, who actually does most of the preaching. Now, she wasn't there that night. Um, but So we're there, and, and, and then the praise and worship thing starts, and they got their, their I don't know, that screen up where they got the words on the thing. And, and all I was doing is standing up. I wasn't singing along. I wasn't doing anything. I was praying. I had my Bible in my hand. I was praying. And I was the primary things that I was being convicted to pray about is for the fear of God. The fear of God to be upon us, because if the fear of God actually descended on that place, it would take care of so many other things. They wouldn't know what hit them, because they, they, they don't operate in fear of God. They think of God as the big guy in the sky who's going to give them what they want to get, essentially. He's our buddy, and we're here to usher him in, because we're so holy. I was praying for the fear of God, I was quoting Psalm 64, I was praying that God would judge these apostate pastors, that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider of God's doing. Because if God starts judging some of these apostate pastors, and it's going to happen, because why do I know that? Because judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. If He starts doing this, things are going to change in the church. I pray to God He would do. You know why? It would be much more merciful for God to deal with and judge these pastors. It doesn't necessarily mean He has to kill them. But if he were to judge the wickedness and to point this out, people would start thinking, hey, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Maybe I do need to rethink this thing. Because this man that I was following just had this happen to him. And it was obviously from God. And maybe I need to rethink things. But remember, God's the one sending the strong delusion. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. That's God's business. okay? But I was praying primarily for fear of God you know, um, these types of things, that God would open their eyes, open their ears, open their hearts to truth, not to lies. And, quoting a lot of verses, that's what I was doing. And I'm talking, I was just about, I was saying it very loud, but you couldn't hear, because it was so loud, which was actually kind of nice. Which is the same reason that a witch can go in there and utter her false tongues, like I said, or put curses on these places. And, Nobody's none the wiser. So I was just praying against what all the things I knew I was warned about might happen. I was also doing that. I didn't want to see the devil get any glory. Now, there was a few times there that then once the music finally stopped and the pastor came up or whatever, and there was a few times people did start, uh, Her Herzog finally came out after all this, after I don't know how long, and the women were getting a little bit more, while this praise and worship, they were getting a little more crazy and dancing. And then there was this one lady that came out right toward the end. What's that? Lude. Lude's a good word. And then there was this one lady that came out. Herzog walks out, and he's up there. He, I mean, I'm telling you, the guy looked like he's going to a nightclub. I'm like, what is that shirt he's wearing? It was crazy looking, you know? And... Um, when Herzog walked out, it wasn't more than two or three minutes or five minutes that this one girl, who I hadn't seen up until this point, comes out and, man, she's just going out of dancing. She's just jumping up and down and going crazy. And I'm talking, she's not staying in one place. She's like hopping and, and, and going up there and doing all these dance moves and stuff and goes up to the front and supposedly worshiping God. And then she goes around to the side. I thought she was going to come back to us. Every time I saw that, I was like praying against it. And, and you know, she's wearing really inappropriate clothes and these types of things and, and um, he gets up there and starts talking and uh, 
he, he starts talking about a little bit about the laughing, the getting into the new wine and all that stuff. Because, see, they, they, he's, he was talking about how, you know, when you get into this new wine, you get drunk in the spirit. And then he starts saying, yeah, he says, I was wasted last night. Just wasted, drunk in the spirit. I mean, so, I mean I'm not lying. He really used that word, wasted. I'm, I mean, ever, if you've ever been around, like, kind of drug people and stuff, cause, uh, like I was when I was growing up, yeah, man, I got wasted. It was great. That's kind of how he was talking. Just wasted in the Holy Spirit. and What a blasphemy. What total blasphemy. Whereas the Bible says everything should be done in decency and order. Lay hands suddenly on no man. All these admonitions of the way we're supposed to behave in churches. But no, no, anything goes because it's the new wine. God's doing something new. It's new and improved. And so he was talking about that. And then when he was doing that, then... One or two people kind of started chuckling and laughing, but every time this would happen, I would I would really be praying, because as it was still pretty loud, the fervor in there, and you could pray freely. And uh, Doug and I were praying, and then ends up that that wouldn't last very long, if you remember it. That laughing didn't like envelop the whole place. It would only last for like maybe thirty seconds or a minute, and it'd be gone. Didn't, nothing happened. I didn't see no glory cloud up until this point. No nothing. Now remember, the, the um, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It doesn't mean I think I'm Mr. Wonderful and Perfect. But I'm saying that if Christians go to these places, where really God is being, in a way, blasphemed, and we pray, there's power in prayer. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Um, the Bible says, call upon, me, call upon me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Well, God kept back the forces of evil, I believe, that night. I was, we were calling upon him for this very thing, to all these lying signs and wonders for not to happen. And we're going to get into that in more detail in a second. So he, he starts, you know, with his message, Herzog. And it's not a message, it's just talking. All I heard was his opinion. And... Again, what I will reiterate, or, or go over, there were minimal tongues praying. I mean, hardly any at all. I, I, I heard hardly any tongues praying. I didn't see one line sign of wonder manifest. I saw no glory cloud. I saw no gold dust. I saw no instant weight loss. I saw no gold teeth being filled or pure. And you know if that was happening, people would have been jumping down crazy. We were there for quite a while. At least two and a half hours. I saw no gray to black hair. I saw no spontaneous plastic surgery. None of that. Oh, look, my face is tightened up. I look 20 years younger. Oh, you know, they'd be flocking. That happened. And then, um, no, oh, another thing they say a lot of times happened. In fact, they said it happened the night before. Jewel, a jewel appeared on, on the floor. Said a jewel appeared. He, he even said his daughter had one time a jewel had appeared and she had got it, which is really sad because again he's he's leading his little girl to hell. That's really sad. And then it says, no no angels. I didn't see any angels. I didn't see any orbs. None of that. I saw nothing. Praise the Lord. His preaching was pathetic. It wasn't even preaching. It was just talking. He made a couple veiled scriptural references. Not a Bible was open. Nothing. The whole time that I was there. Oh, it was, all I got was his ungodly opinion. And all of his stories that could never be verified. Oh, yes, we led this man of the Lord here and here and there. And God opened the doors here and all this other stuff. And um, Yeah, now Doug brought up a good point. He really believes that because of our prayers, um, and the prayers that were being said for this meeting, that this man's mouth was effectively stifled um, because he looked frustrated almost. He looked like, you know, hey man, this isn't what usually happens. What's going on, you know? And, you know, as a result of all that, he really couldn't flow in the whatever he was trying to flow in like he, like he normally would. He told us all about all these conversions and all these things, and, and, and uh, I mean, just all the stuff that you'll typically get. All these lies. I mean, all these things, there's no way you could ever verify. Um, 
He told us how the Lord told him that, oh, this is a good one. He said, yeah, when I was over in Europe, the Lord, God told me who was going to win the World Cup soccer match. <laughs> I'm not lying, he really did. He was bragging about this. Well, what, did he go put his bets down? Yes, and then I told the congregation, no, he didn't say that, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. Yes, go put your money on, on the blue team, because you'll win a lot of money. And this will answer your prayer, or whatever. But yeah, he said that. He said that. Um, and I thought to myself, you know what? If you pick the winner of a sports contest, there's a 50-50 chance you're going to win anyway. <laughs> if you think about it. Yes, but you didn't know the odds. Oh, give me a break. So yeah, he, he told, and he had the audacity to bring that up. The World Cup soccer, man. He, he, God showed him who's going to win it. Yeah. yeah, so that was one of his, his unbelievable prophecies. And um, maybe he should go out to Vegas and be like a bookie or something, you know. He could probably make a lot of money. And then it said, uh, he told how the Lord was going to have Herzog, the, the Lord spoke to him how he was going to give Herzog all of Europe. And he said this about many places. And I thought to myself, wow, when, I wonder when that's going to happen. So you're going to win all of Europe. Contrary to what the Bible says, about narrow the way and all the delusion we're going to be under. No, 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 that's, for, that's, that's just not true anymore. Brother, don't you understand there's a, there's a new wave, a Bruin. Oh, it's a Bruin, like a witch's cauldron. Oh yeah, it's coming. It's here. It's only going to get worse. But yeah, he said a lot of stuff like that. Um, said he went down to the Sea of Galilee. They do all these tours of Israel. And there was, there was Satanists down there. And they were brewing some cauldron. And they were going to dump the cauldron into the Sea of Galilee to defile it. And, and he got to them and basically started preaching to them. And then by the time he was done, they were praising God. And, oh, come on. <laughs> oh, why? Hey, I wish, I really wish I would have taken notes. But I really was so busy praying. I didn't feel like I could let my guard down. It was so demonic. I really didn't feel like I could let my guard... It didn't even occur in my mind to take notes. I was just trying to remember bits and pieces of what I was hearing. And then I wrote them down afterward, what I kind of remembered. And then he... He, um, then, and then he said this. He was telling us about all these people that are getting translated all over the world. Okay, like the Bible talks about to the Ethiopian eunuch and, and all these people that got translated. You know, where like you're in one spot one minute and God takes you to another. Now, I'm not saying the Lord Jesus Christ can't do that. But he's acting as, oh yeah, I got translated. Yeah, anybody who's anybody, they're getting translated. Yeah, we just had a person come, come to our meeting... Um, whatever, and they were driving from here to there, and they lost, they, they got translated and, and knocked four hours off their drive time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, wasn't that what he said, something like that? It, 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 yeah, really cut down on their drive time. Probably saved on their gas, too. You know, hey, gas prices being what they are, it, you know, it's a good thing to get translated. You know, knock some time off and stuff like that. And, and then he was saying, yeah, I got translated. <clears throat> I don't know. Probably more than once, I believe. Oh, oh, is that so? Okay. So yeah, he was saying, uh, he was saying that, and then, and he said all kind of, you know, it got to the point where, when I, the last time I was in a Pentecostal church, I got to a point where I was. This was when God pulled me out, and the Holy Spirit lives inside us as born again Christians. And I remember the last time I went into that Pentecostal church. Kingsway Christian Center, and this was the la this was the, the thing that I was already convinced in my mind that I had to go. But I went in there, and the whole service, I was in physical pain, physical in like my gut, like in my deep deep in my stomach. And I remember that that pain was there, and I when I walked out of there, I knew that that was it for me. I was done. I had to get out of there. In fact, I think I left early. And it was almost as though the Holy Spirit's telling you, go, get out. And that's, I started getting that feeling. And I hadn't had that in years, in years. <clears throat> you know, it's funny, they say the Holy Spirit always, always is going to manifest in this wonderful way to make you feel so wonderful and happy. And when the Holy Spirit did this to me, I actually got a physical pain. But that's how I knew. See, pain is a tremendous motivator. And I turned to Doug and I'm like, man, are you ready to go? He's like, yeah, let's go. And it was like we both knew it was time to go. There was no need for us to be there anymore. I believe what we needed to see, we saw. And what we needed to accomplish, from a spiritual standpoint, was accomplished. 
Now, when I got his po- supposed praise report a few days later about Fort Myers, he mentioned nothing about Monday night. He only mentioned about Sunday. Nothing about Monday at all. Not one thing mentioned on Monday, and that's supposedly his biggest night. Now, I'm not saying that again because I think I'm Mr. Wonderful, spiritual, whatever. I'm just saying that we have this ability as Christians. I mean, what's taking place on the earth during these services is an abomination. I'm not saying, saying we have a, make a steady diet of this and just go to church after... You know, it depends on your calling. It really does. That's why we are the body of Christ. Can the eye say to the finger, depart of me, I have no need of you? We're all important in our functions, and we're all called to different things. I wouldn't advise a woman to go by herself and go to one of these things. I wouldn't do that. And we're going to talk about, in the next uh, teaching, we're going to do a whole study on on women, and, and women pastors, you know, all these things about biblical qualifications, what women can do for the Lord. And hopefully this will clear up a lot of questions, because I've sure been getting a lot of questions about it lately. Now, the last thing I wanted to go over is, this reminded me, I hearken back to my days in um, delusion when I was in the Pentecostal movement. I got a letter this week from, and I thought this was a good time, because a lot of times God will give me confirmations at the same time that I need to talk about a given particular topic. And I got a letter from from uh, uh, Reverend this week. And his name's Reverend Leroy Jenkins. Leroy. That's what I call him. And this guy was from my hyper-Pentecostal days. He was one of the guys that, that would came when I was in the Pentecostal movement at a brief time and had tent revivals and things like that. Okay. Now, I'm sorry, but the guy is slimy. Slimy. Okay? He is just... If you fell for this guy, you got problems. I didn't even fall for him when I was in the Pentecostal movement. Okay? It was, he was, and I was falling for about everything. But this guy is so flagrant in his sliminess that there's just essentially no way... Even a delusional Pentecostal is going to see through this guy. And that's probably one of the reasons he never made it really big, because he's so flagrant. Now, bear in mind, what I'm getting ready to read to you is a mass mailing. Okay? I mean, his signatures at the end is not his signature. It's, it's pre-printed into the, into the thing with a pre-printed payment coupon at the end. Okay? Now, this is how, what a slime ball this guy is. Okay? Now the Bible says to mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. That is exactly everything we're just getting ready to read. Good words and fair speeches. Of course, these aren't even good words. They're, they're pathetic. Well, where do, where do they mark anybody in the Bible? Well, we can't judge any of them. Oh, yes, we can. We're supposed to judge those that are within. We're supposed to mark the wolves in sheep's clothing. We're supposed to do, do that. We're supposed to mark the hirelings. They're taking people to hell. What's more merciful for us just to sit back and say, Oh, no, we won't want to mark him. Because, you know, he's leading a whole bunch of people to hell. So we just need to let him do that because we wouldn't want to judge. Whereas the Bible says he was spiritual judgeth all things. The only time we're not supposed to judge is when we have a beam in our own eye and we're looking at the speck in our brothers. That's the context of judge not lest ye be judged. So please get that straight. Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. He said that. Specifically. He marked him by name. He did, he did that on several occasions. Marked people by name. So what we're doing today is biblical, not unbiblical. So this is Leroy Jenkins, Evangelical Association. He says, he writes me. He says, it's early morning. Now this is supposedly a personal letter to me. It's early morning. I've just returned from praying for you. (laughs) I haven't even, number one, I only went to one or two of this guy's meetings. He wanted, I don't, I hardly, I forgot about the guy. And he sure ain't going to remember me from, you know, I remember I sat in the back. I never had any interaction with him. I did not go up to him to get healed. I didn't do any of this. But, 
years and years and years later, this is like, I don't know how many years ago this was. This was like 97 or 98, the start of 98. We're talking 10 years ago. All of a sudden I get a letter from Leroy, and I hadn't got anything from this guy for years. It says, I've just returned from praying for you. Oh, is that, is that the case, Leroy? Huh. It says, make sure you are in, totally in the spirit. <laughs> he says, I see the purple royalty cloak of God's blessings being laid upon your shoulders. <laughs> so Leroy is seeing the purple blessing cloak being laid upon my shoulders. Now, oh, here it is. He sent me a little prayer cloth. <laughs> oh, Doug's being a little theatrical. But, um, yeah, he sent me a little purple prayer cloth. Taylor tried to rip it up as soon as she saw it. I said, no, 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 hold on, I'm going to burn it, don't worry, but let's at least do a teaching on this. I said, I got to. But, see, he's, he's, he just returned praying for me. And he just, he sees this purple royalty cloak on me, and God's blessings being laid upon my shoulders. Now, I found it interesting, he's got a symbol here at the top of the thing. Do you recognize that, Doug? Isn't that a Knights Templar? It's a crown with a cross going through it sideways, which is the sign of the Knights Templar, which are one of the most wicked, high occult orders of the ancient times. They're the ones that supposedly were the guardians of the Holy Grail. The mysteries and the secrets of the Grail. These were like, you know, Freemasons on steroids. Okay, these were the ones that supposedly perpetuated the myth originally that Jesus Christ was actually never crucified, married to Mary Magdalene, they had a child, she produced um, the Merovingian bloodline, which continues to this day, and the Knights of the Templar were like the holy, in, the holy uh, guardians of this secret. Okay, he has got the symbol of the Knights Templar right next to his ugly face on here, sorry. No, he's a slick-looking dude. He is. He is. I shouldn't be saying he's ugly. But he, uh, yeah, he's there, right next to his Knights Templar uh, symbol. And he says, My dear Scott, make sure that you pray before you read this letter. I want you to recognize in the Spirit that this is a very, very personal and private letter being sent directly from my heart to yours. Do you believe this slime bucket? He he is saying this. It's a form letter with a with a signature imprinted into the letter with a donation envelope with my with my name imprinted in the address field. It's a mass mailing. And he is saying this is a very he has the audacity to say this is a very, very personal letter and private letter being sent directly from my heart to yours. Lies. Why? Because he is of his father the devil, and of his father's works he will do. Just like the Bible says. When I read this, I thought, where Jesus says, how can you, 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 you serpents and vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? That's what I thought of. Because this guy is a modern day Pharisee and Sadducee. And then he says, in my heart, I know I could never rush just anyone, a private personal, anointed word from the Lord like this. <laughs> I don't think I have ever, ever read anything like this. And it's no coincidence that I got this letter the same week I went to Herzog. Because this is how God does stuff with me. The Lord will actually give me confirmation that I need to do a teaching. And this was just further confirmation. And so, he, then he says, only a select few faith partners. I've never sent this guy a dime. Okay, but only a select few faith partners like you that I have complete and absolute confidence in. Do, can, do you see that, I mean, this is just unbelievable. But see, Pentecostal Charismatics eat this stuff up. They do. They're that delusional. They're that I mean, I hate to say it, of all sects of Christianity, I see no more sect that is more deceived. More deceived. They're deceived. There's other ones that are deceived. I don't see any more that are more deceived, though, than, than the Pentecostal Charismatics. And then it says, let me share what God showed me. Early this morning, I went to my special prayer room. 
he's probably got a pentagram in there with an upside-down cross, you know, the whole nine yards, the whole little satanic, you know, grotto-type deal going on. But he says, I went to my special prayer room and spoke with God directly about you. More lies, okay? As I knelt in prayer, a strong, powerful anointing settled down on me. The deeper I went into the Spirit, the clearer became the miracle God has in store for you. See, this is the carrot. This is the, now he's starting to give me the carrot now. This is the special, personal, private, anointed word just for me. Because I want to feel special. You know, he knows how to do it. Oh, make me feel special, Mr. Leroy. And then it says, While I was interceding in prayer, suddenly the whole right side of my body began to tingle. Maybe he was having a stroke. I don't know. Anyway, and then it says, I kept praying. Then God showed me the vision. Ah, oh, vision. I saw you standing before me. So, he saw me physically, who I've never even... I was at a couple of his meetings and sat in the back in a tent meeting at night. But he saw me stand before him in a vision. And remember, this is a mass mailing. He must have had this vision about every single other person he's ever sent it to. Oh, he wouldn't lie, would he? No. And then it says, you were wearing a majestic golden crown on your head. I'm sorry, I can't. This is just unbelievable. This is this takes the cake. He says you were wearing a majestic golden golden crown on your head, and with and with my right hand, I was fastening the most beautiful, beautiful purple royalty cloak I have ever seen over your shoulders. There's just no way I can keep a straight face toward this. And then it said, I sensed in my heart that the crown represented the power that you have to triumph over your trouble. When I looked at the radiant purple cloak on you, I felt a great victory all around you. <laughs> oh, okay. i got to try to get composure. Then he says, right this moment, a strong word is coming to me from you. <coughs> this is directly from God's throne. This is the word of God that he sent me in this mass marketing mailer. That's specifically for me, as I sit there with a golden crown on my head and a purple cloak over my shoulders, under this very, very personal, special word of God just for me. Here it goes. This is straight from God's throne now. Remember, mass mailing though. So it must be for a lot of people. It says, My beloved child, do not you know that you are my royalty? <clears throat> are you not aware that I have placed the purple mantle of end time prosperity over your shoulders? <laughs> so again, we, it always goes back to the money. Always the money. Gotta be prosperous. You gotta, you know. Then he says, Yay, I have placed... Can you imagine the judgment this man is going to have in hell? Can you even... You, we can't even imagine hell. But I believe there's a special place in hell for people in the lake of fire, for ministers who are these wolves in sheep's clothing, these hirelings, these devils in the flesh. I mean... To, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. The Bible talks about them. Who, who speak great swelling words of vanity to deceive the hearts of the simple. The, the, the judgment on this man and on, his, on these people that I can't even imagine. They would be so presumptuous to send me a letter saying that he, this is from God in a mass mailing. I mean, how, how stupid would you have to be? I'm not saying if you fell for this at some time that you're stupid, okay? I, listen, I fell for it too at some point. But, to stay in it, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Then he says, Yeah, I've placed a golden crown of victory on your head. And nothing that your enemies can form against you can prosper. I will no longer let troubling spirits have rule over your life. Oh, isn't that amazing? When the Bible says that all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know, think not the fiery trial which is to, which is to try you. Strange. Remember that verse? 
in this life you will have tribulation. Remember that verse? Huh? You know, the time will come when they that kill you think that they're going to do God's service. Remember that verse? Oh, no, none of those verses apply anymore, evidently. Because he's saying that God's saying to me, no longer is he going to let troubling spirits have rule over my life. I'm just going to go through, I guess, primrose and roses, the whole nine yards, dandelions and buttercups. That's all I got from here on out, Doug. So, you know, it's good to know. It's good to know. Ugh. And then he says, My Holy Spirit shall rest upon your shoulders like a purple cloak of prosperity, guiding your every move. My anointing will rest upon your head like a golden crown of supreme wisdom, guiding your every thought. This sounds like some kind of Masonic oath or something that, I've, that he's reciting to me. And then it says, <clears throat> uh, let's see, I will no longer, now this is, remember, this is supposedly from God, I will no longer allow the enemy to come against you. Oh, I guess I'm better than Jesus Christ then. Or any of the apostles, or any of the martyrs. I guess I'm better than them. What blasphemy! <clears throat> I will no longer allow enemy, the enemy to come against you, for you shall wear the majestic crown of the righteous. The royal blessing shall be placed upon thy household, in thy wallet. <laughs> Thy wallet. Old English, yes. Thy wallet. Thy wallet shall be exceedingly fat. No, I'm sorry, I just made that up. But <laughs> Your wallet will not be on a diet no more. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, but really, it says that. It says, it says, <laughs> royal blessing shall be placed on your household and thy wallet. This is one of the funniest things. I mean, it's sad and it's an abomination, but it, you cannot read this and not crack up because it's just unbelievable what this guy's saying. It says, in these last days, you shall give and not take. Many shall knock on your door for support, as you will have abundance. Hast thou not called unto me and asked me to prosper thee, so that there would be an abundance in thy life? Now he's using the whole thy and thou thing because he's trying to make it sound real spiritual. Um, and then he's going, As thou dost goest forth in the realm of fearless, bold faith, unafraid to prove thy God, <laughs> the very door of blessing that the enemy has la laughed and closed in thy face shall be opened. In this very hour, my beloved, a royal blessing anointed is descending upon you like a heavenly robe, for I am pushing back the powers of hell. There we go again with this promise that I'm going to suffer. No more tribulation, no more nothing. As my servant is praying for you. And see, the thing is, is, is this is typical of Pentecostal stuff, of, of supposedly personal words of knowledge. And, these, and, and what happens is, is these things rarely ever come to pass anything. And this obviously could never come to pass. And... <clears throat> yet, the Pentecostals just ignore the lies that they were told yesterday and go on like they've never been lied to. Content to stay in the lies because it's still tickling the flesh. It's so sad. It's I don't understand it. I mean, I've even been there and I don't understand it. Because I started comparing all these supposed words of knowledge that I was getting with what was actually happening in my life. And I realized, you know what? They're not hearing from God. And according to Deuteronomy 18, the test of a prophet, if this guy's really speaking a word to me, it has to come to pass. There's no way this could come to pass because this is totally against what Scripture says will occur to a Christian. I'm not going to say we're all going to die horrific martyrs' deaths, but those verses that I quoted are valid. <laughs> so... He, then he says, Praise me now, saith God, for, I, for in thy giving a new door of royalty blessing shall be sent your way. Oh, in thy giving. Ah, here comes the plea for money. Even thy enemies shall sense the anointing and be fearful. Yea, new boldness shall rest upon thee, and thy faith shall be renewed. You shall even see changes in your family. They shall be affected by the new anointing that shall rest upon thee. Please let me know. It's, and then he goes on. Okay, so that was my word from, you know, the Lord. Of course, it's not my God, it's His God. And then it says, Please let me know as soon as possible if you have received this strong prophetic word from the Lord. Blasphemy is what I say. Man. Whew. 
This guy, I tell you what, oh, he's in for it. As hard as it is to believe, I still feel warmth on my right side. Well, maybe you better get that checked out there, Leroy. Might be going through a stroke there, buddy. Um, <clears throat> it would not surprise me if miracles began happening in your life immediately. And then he goes on to say, I have to obey God. Right now, God is telling me to rush you this beautiful purple prayer cloth. <laughs> he sends me this little piece of purple cloth here. Now, God's telling him to do this, he's saying. He said to send it to you along with this very important letter. The Lord told me to take my right hand, the same hand I feel the anointing on right now, and touch the prayer cloth to my left shoulder before I send it to you. This symbolizes the purple mantle of blessing resting upon your shoulders. Right now, take a pair of scissors and cut off a corner of this cloth. <clears throat> I want you to put it in your wallet. <laughs> or checkbook. <laughs> I missed that the first time. It's not so you can put it in your wallet so you can carry it around with you. It's so you can put it in your wallet because that's the main thing you're wanting the blessing on. Is your wallet. Pray that your wallet will get fat. No. I, I made that part up. But anyway. It says, <clears throat> take a pair of scissors now. Cut off a corner of the cloth. I want you to put it in your wallet or your checkbook. <clears throat> or, in other words, representing your finances. <clears throat> Leave it there throughout the entire month. Something supernatural is heading your way. <clears throat> yeah. A big fat curse, if I do what he says. Or some line, sign, and wonder delusion. Or nothing, most likely. And then it says, next, I want you to move in the Holy Ghost obedience with me. <clears throat> oh, Holy Ghost obedience. Okay. It says, take the remainder of your prayer cloth and touch it to your left shoulder. This is the, this is the part I cut off. Just as I have done in the power of prayer agreement. See, what you're coming, what you're doing is, is if you do all this, you're coming into agreement <clears throat> with essentially this person practicing charismatic witchcraft, who is of his father, the devil. And if you come into agreement with him, don't think you it won't affect you spiritually. This is why I tell people they say, "Well, I'm in the Pentecostal church. I'm just going to try to change it from the inside out. I'm going to try to be there." No, 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 no. There's no scriptural precedence for doing that. The Bible says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Because they're not believing the same thing. They're not believing what the Bible says. For what communion hath righteousness with unrighteousness? There's a lot of unrighteous stuff going on at these meetings. And if you're a righteous person in the Lord, you need to get out of there. The Bible says in Revelation, Wherefore come out from among her, and be not partakers of her plagues. Who's her? The whore of Babylon. Mystery Babylon, the whore. You don't want to be partakers of her plagues. If you want to be partakers of Leroy Jenkins' plagues, or the Pentecostal plagues, just do what they say to do. And you will get deceived. And these spirits will come in and deceive you. And it will happen. Don't think it won't. <clears throat> so now he says, most importantly, I, sh I will add, most importantly, he says, now, take your very best offering. Ah, here comes the money plea. And lay the royal cloak upon it. So I'm supposed to take my little purple uh, prayer cloth and, and lay my best offering on it. I feel very strongly that someone is to prove God with $110. <laughs> I'm not lying, it really says it. He says, believing God will help me reach at least another thousand souls for Jesus Christ this year. What a joke. And then he says, I believe God may strongly impress upon your, your spirit to be, to be the one to do this. To send him the 110 bucks. You are the type of person who seems like they would want to give 110%. Get it? He wants me to send $110 because he wants me to give 110%. Oh. Slimeball. I'm sorry, but the guy is, is a reprobate. And then he says, listen carefully to what God wants you to do, and give as he says. I mean, Jesus Christ called them serpents and vipers. Oh, that wasn't nice. Well, it was an accurate depiction. Listen carefully to what God wants you to do, and give as he says. Oh, okay, so, right. So, now I'm under this pressure now to give, if, I'm, if I've got this far and still believing this guy. It says, let the Holy, Holy Ghost guide you. Remember, you can't. I am letting the Holy Ghost guide me. <laughs> Thank God. And then it says, remember, you can't beat God giving. 
no matter how hard you try. And then it says, it may be a great sacrifice. Um, it's your time to be blessed, though. I understand. I understand. He says, but do your best right now to work for your for the work of the Lord at this time. I'm going to sacrifice, say, I'm going to sacrifice a $110 offering this week. You see, I don't ask you to do anything I'm not willing to do myself. Oh, he's going to, what is he going to do? Put 110 in one pocket into the other pocket? <clears throat> I want the same blessing I'm praying for your life to be on my life too. Oh, see, I'm in, see, in that way, I'm getting in unity with Leroy. And then he says, God spoke to my heart to lay the royal cloak you return to me on my prayer altar. So I guess what I'm supposed to do is cut a corner off of the, of the prayer cloth, send the rest back with my 110 bucks, and then he's going to take the royal cloak I return back to him on his prayer altar where the Lord has spoken to me so many times. He says, when, when I do this, you are going to experience a unique supernatural intervention in your life. So here's the, here's the catch. You've got to send the prayer cloth back with the 110 bucks for it to get on his altar so he can pray for you. Because that's where the supernatural intervention, intervention occurs. <clears throat> um, supernatural intervention in your life, in your body, and in your finances. And even in your home during the coming days, just as the royalty prayer cloth is purple, in the spirit I see a purple mantle of blessing resting upon your shoulders, even now. I feel like the Lord allowed me to put it there in the spirit. I know by the Holy Ghost you have received this. Beloved, don't you dare set this anointed prayer cloth aside. Oh, now he's threatening me. <clears throat> Move with God and do exactly as I have instructed you. Oh, is that the case, Leroy? Is that the, is that the case? I'm going to do is exactly, I don't think so. I'm doing nothing what you would ever tell me to do. I'll pray for you. And then it says, give the Lord 110%. Until I hear from you, I will be going to the P.O. Box 4270. His P.O. Box is 4270. Every day, looking for your letter and your gift of faith. Exclamation mark. <laughs> oh, I bet he'll be going to his mailbox. Looking for it to be filled with this. I bet he'll be there. And he signs his name, your faithful evangelist, Leroy Jenkins, in this, in this, it's, it's a, it's a pre-printed on signature. And then it's got a, it's got a, uh, a pre-printed, uh, thing with the whole, um, thing there. With the whole thing you can send in. You're, you can put your credit card information in there and everything. So anyway, I thought I'd share that with you. And this is just a good teaching as far as exposing the apostasy and the error that's so prevalent in today's day and age. So I'm going to go ahead and end there. We'll go to part three now.